a guy had called from a Craigslist ad. I'll buy houses cash on Craigslist, right? Um, he had called and... You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, family, and welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity uh, Real Estate Show. On today's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Lee Waldrop out of Mobile, Alabama. Lee is doing some things uh, there in the state of Alabama that's transcending the market somewhat. Uh, Lee has been investing in residential real estate since 2011. He owns several real estate companies that focus on flipping houses, turnkey property management, buying holes, and wholesaling in lower Alabama. Uh, Lee is a licensed agent in the state of Alabama. He graduated from the University of Alabama with a business degree in investment management, and he received his MBA a few years later. Uh, Lee has been a part of the corporate world. Uh, Lee left his job to pursue uh, his, his real estate career full-time. Lee has used a number of creative financing strategies, which we'll tap into. He did that to invest in real estate um, and is extremely passionate about flipping houses for several active income and building and rental portfolio and long-term wealth. Lee has completed hundreds of real estate transactions covering most areas of residential real estate. Lee enjoys spending time with his wife, Olivia, and his daughter, Catherine. Uh, Olivia does majority of the design work on the flips when lee is not working he loves to travel scuba dive and work out so man lee welcome to the show i uh, should have had your wife olivia on here as well uh because i'm pretty sure she's the boss oh, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but man welcome to the show lee so give me a little bit of background that i didn't touch on i know you're in mobile alabama um you're doing some things there you're you're doing some fix and flips, property management. What else is going on with you there in Mobile? Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, really appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, so since 2011, um, I've been investing in real estate. It was great to be able to bring my wife in about five years ago when we started flipping houses. So um, we run several operations here in Mobile. Um, Lower Alabama in general, but our office is here in Mobile, Alabama. We um, wholesale houses, which generates leads and properties for us to purchase, to flip, or to hold. Uh, then we have a property management company, which focuses on turnkey properties. Um, so we will uh, hold those for our in-house portfolio, or we will sell those to other investors who want to uh, generate wealth as well in uh, passive income. So we um, will wholesale houses, we'll flip houses, and we'll also buy and hold and flip rentals. Um, and uh, that is our operation here. Um, and we run a property management company to service not only the houses that me and my wife own, but also uh, houses that uh, 
that other clients own as well. Okay. Okay. So what, what was your inspiration to get into real estate investing? Well, um, it was, I was always passionate about real estate. I thought I was going to work in the corporate world and just buy maybe one or two houses. You climb the corporate ladder and buy one or two houses a year. And then by the time I wake up and I'm 55 or 60, you know, maybe I've got 20, 25 houses and it'd be a good, you know, supplement to my 401k. Um, but uh, when I met my wife, we just decided to, to jump in on it. She, um, I, was, I was very passionate about real estate and you know, my dad did, he owned a mobile home park, okay. had a duplex. And so when I was a young kid, I was used to doing, he was a mom and pop landlord. I would go on Saturdays and fill potholes on the, you know, in the yep. mobile home yep. park and do all that. But that really didn't, you know, completely inspire me. I think when I, you know, just, I like to read and Robert Kiyosaki, of course, that's everybody's, you know, number one. Hey, how, did, you, how did your eyes <laughs> you know, open? Um, that was the biggest uh, kind of eye opener that, hey, I I'm grinding along for somebody else. You know, why don't I just jump in? And um, I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit to, to do it. So there wasn't, I don't think, one sole mentor or anything that gave me the inspiration. I think it was just kind of came from inside. You know, so Lee, tell me about your uh, first business transaction, first real estate transaction. I know as a kid, when I started, um, my first transaction was done with on a farm with pigs. Um, so tell me about your first, if you don't have one as a child, you can tell me about your first real estate transaction. Well, my first business transaction really was doing landscaping. Uh, it was going and getting my mom and her minivan to go pass out these little flyers that I printed off on our old school uh, computer back in the 90s and uh, early 90s and dropped them off in mailboxes and ended up getting uh, five or six phone calls and going and raking leaves and pushing my dad's lawnmower down the street um, and coming back and getting the weed eater and the blower after I was done. So that was really when I was about 12, 13 years old is, is my first taste in the kind of a business transaction and learning the whole ropes. You know, some people, you know, have you rake your the yard and I would quote them, you know, a price and I would work for three days straight because I've underestimated that they had five years of leaves growing. You know, <laughs> so you're like, right. it's a, you kind of like going to school as it's your first transaction learning okay well I think I'll bid that differently next time <laughs> yeah was, uh, the first when I was about 12 years old or something to save up for my first car okay all right perfect wow you started saving up for your first car at 12 man you're a lot more ambitious than I was so tell me tell me about uh because I know most entrepreneurs and real estate investors you know they they have that itch at an early age man so mm -hmm. your itch started at 12 years old so tell me about that first real estate deal you know that really made you say okay this is this is what I'm gonna do uh, the first, the first real estate deal, you know, it was probably one that was my personal house. Um, and it was actually the way that you invest in real estate through leverage. Uh, it also, you know, I was a big proponent of, you know, be real conservative, put a large down payment, 15 year mortgage, pay extra principal payments. And then guess what? The market crashed. Um, and 
I was fortunate enough that I had bought in a good location. I was able to break even on the property, but then it really showed me, you know, um, the smart way to invest. And it really opened my eyes, you know, to a lot of people, you know, that were, that were buying in the downturn. And I think the first one that I really, the first time I really, you know, thought that it was um, something I could do was when I owner financed the house and I put a renter in there and I painted the walls myself and I was out, you know, maybe a thousand dollars total, $500 down payment plus closing costs. And it was cash flowing. Uh, I'm like, well, I don't have any money, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm cash flowing on this rental house. And uh, that was probably the first time where I really thought that, hey, I can do this with no or low money down, as I would say. <laughs> okay. So, so let's talk about that, that seller finance deal. Now, that was like one of your first deals. Mm -hmm. What made you think about going seller financing? Um, kind of walk me through that deal so we can kind of get an understanding. And guys, if you don't know, seller financing is basically where the seller is the bank on the transaction. So Lee didn't have to go to a traditional bank or anything like that. He kind of used uh, the money from the seller in order to pull the deal off. So kind of Lee, kind of walk us through that. Well, when, um, when I left the corporate world, you know, I got, I was married and my wife, had a full-time job. And so I was fortunate enough to kind of be able to do this while just your regular bills at home were paid. Uh, did not have anything really in the, in the bank account, but I read a, a whole lot of books. And so I negotiated with the seller because I really did not have the wherewithal to get traditional financing. Maybe we could have gotten one home, you know, but we surely didn't have the 25% down on a non-occupied house. Uh, to purchase it as a rental property. So um, through advertising Craigslist, the whole nine yards, just driving for dollars, uh, okay. found a seller that was um, interested. They were moving and upgrading their house and it was a good rental area with, you know, I don't base my decisions off appreciation, but I thought that, you know, it had the possibility to go up in the future and worked out an owner finance deal. Um, $500 down. Um, actually, I think we shared the closing costs. So it wow. ended up right around $1,000 um, and gave me a 10 year balloon payment, which means I have to pay the loan off within 10 years. So I figured I, I thought that I would figure it out by then, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do the refinance or, you know, do something by the time that 10 year balloon came up. So um, ended up negotiating terms with them. The, the seller was mainly concerned about hey, I want my mortgage paid for uh, while I go and I got to pay for this new house. So uh, we worked out, I think his mortgage um, was like $862, something like that. And so we worked out, we basically structured the rate, <laughs> the interest rate based around him exactly covering his mortgage. Covering the mortgage. On the 10-year note. Okay. Um, and we actually amortized it over 30 years, but it was a 10-year uh, um, balloon payment. So anyway, um, took it over, and I had to do all the sweat equity myself, you know, basic stuff such as changing lights, plumbing fixtures, um, painting, uh, just the yard care, and then um, put a renter in there. And I think they started out paying $1,100 and then went to $1,200 year two. Um, and so it wasn't you know, a home run deal, but it allowed me to get into something to where 
you know, after six or seven months, I'd gotten my principal investment back and allowed me to enter the game <laughs> with so hardly any money. So let me ask you this. You, you, you found that, you found that um, deal by, was it Craigslist or Driving for Dollars? Kind of where did you find that deal at? Uh, that particular deal was word of mouth. Um, okay. Before I ever bought a deal, I joined the local real estate meetup. And um, I think this was before the meetup.com days, but, you know, your local RIA group and, okay. uh, and joined it and just told everybody, all of my friends, family, everybody I knew that I was investing in real estate. And um, uh, I forgot that exact deal, how, how that one came to me, but it was sort of a friend of a friend type okay. of situation to where um, there was already a little bit of, you know, um, I wasn't a complete stranger. Complete stranger, right. Exactly, and so, um, and so it worked out to where, um, you know, I was able to just build that rapport with the seller um, and put their mind at ease that I was gonna do the right thing and continue to pay for their house because, you know, he had a growing family and he moved on to a bigger house, but he wasn't financially stable enough to where he could pay for two houses. So I had to make sure that he had his mind at ease that um, although I didn't do a large payment, I would take care of his house, um, you know, until I refinanced or, or sold okay. it or, you know, or whatever. And so he was, um, we worked that out. And the reason why I ask that is because I always tell people, you know, you have to, one, let everyone know what you're doing. You know, you have to let people know what you're doing. That way, deals uh, will attract and come to you. So that's exactly what you did. You let all your friends, family, everyone know that you were getting into real estate. And that deal kind of came to you, even though you didn't let the barrier of not having any money slow you down or stop you or anything like that. So that's, that's two good things right there. You continue to persevere and go through even though you didn't have the money. And you built rapport and you found that deal. So kind of, if you can remember, uh, I know you've done hundreds of deals, man. What was, what was the numbers, roundabout numbers on the deal? So I know you said you had to end up putting like $1,000 down. How much did you buy it for? I know the note was like 800 um, and some bucks a month. Well, you know, in hindsight, I wouldn't have done the deal today because it wasn't a good enough deal. But... Uh, the deal, it was $162,000 purchase price. Um, and the rent was $1,100 first year, $1,200 from there on out. I held the house for about five years. Um, just so happened to where it was just sort of in the background, right? That house okay. was just sort of in the background. It wasn't really cash flowing terribly good to really even pique my interest each month, but it was just there. Um, and once I really started getting involved more in real estate. But the good thing is that that whole area, once the market rebounded, just really people, it became one of the little hot spots for downtown Birmingham, Alabama, uh, to where a lot of young people were moving there and ended up selling it. I never thought I'd sell to somebody like myself that says, we buy houses cash, but I did. Uh -huh. uh, I listened with a realtor and a cash buyer came up and said, I'll give you 200 grand. Um, cash, two-week close, no inspections. So I was like, you know what? I bought this thing for 162. I've owned it for five years, you know, made a little bit of money off of it. I was like, I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to mess yeah. with it. I've got bigger stuff to do. I'm just going to let it go. So 
you know, it ended up, my first deal ended up being, you know, one of my more profitable deals, you know, for a single family house. Absolutely. Um, really through no expertise of my own. It was just, <laughs> it was something that I do not get in, try to get involved with appreciation or speculation, but it uh -huh. just ended up uh, working out for me. Well, a good thing, the good thing is it was your first deal. So mm -hmm. you didn't lose money on your first deal. You ended up making money on the first deal. You got to, you learned a valuable education. You, you learn that, you know, you learn how to do a seller finance deal, you know, how to let the seller carry it. You then turned around, put a renter in there for 11 to 1200 bucks, you know, so you were cash flowing, you know, give or take two, 300 bucks, you know, a month. That's still a pretty, pretty solid deal. You know, yeah, it's not the home run that everyone is looking for, but you made the money on the back end, you know, once you sold it. Although you wasn't banking on appreciation, that's what happened. You could have carried that thing for the rest of the five years. You could have been making your two, three hundred bucks a month, still would have been a decent deal, you know, but you use that to help leverage you and learn how to go forward. So now from that deal, I'm assuming that was the launch pad, Lee. What happened after that? What did you then get into? Well, I'll tell you, that was the first deal. That first deal was the hardest, you know. It was the hardest to find because you're so nervous. You really, you've read a bunch of stuff, but you don't know what you're doing. Um, and even though I still didn't really know what I was doing because I only had one deal under my belt, guess what? The second deal that I went into, the, I was going into it. I, when I first started, I was all about creative financing. And so I was looking for lease option opportunities. Uh, okay. The second deal that I went to, I tried to promote my uh, plan for a, a lease option on this uh, seller's house. And so Lee, let me stop you real quick. Explain to us what, what um, lease option is, because I know some people, they have a misperception of what lease option is. Can you kind of clarify for us? Yes, uh, well, it's a, it's a lease. You agree to lease the seller's house. So you're not a homeowner by any means. Uh, you are a renter, really. Uh, but you're leasing the house with the option to purchase. It's different than a lease purchase to where you're telling the seller, hey, this is a delayed sales contract. I will buy your house. Um, this is an option of purchase that you don't have to purchase. But I think it's for people who really are ethically going to do the right thing because mm -hmm. you're going to lease this house. And in order to make any sense, you want, you want to put a time frame on it for four to five years, in my opinion. Um, okay. You lease a house with the option to purchase and you need to have an exit strategy. You know, you, you need to, um, you know, lease option it or rent to own it to somebody else. I uh, need to rent it for a couple of years until you refinance. You need to do mm -hmm. something. Um, you need to have a pretty short term exit strategy on that property. But, um, but you lease it and in my case, I would lease it. And it was, so this was back in 2011. So um, now I think you'd be harder pressed to find sellers willing to do that. Yeah. Um, but you would uh, lease it because they wanted to move on. It might be they were, I would always try to find a seller that wasn't bad debt to where they were, hey, I'm in foreclosure, I'm gonna cause you drama because the seller's still in the picture, right? Right. You're, you're a tenant. So I would try to lease it from a seller who was moving because of good circumstances. They were upgrading, they were downsizing, they were moving town, 
you know, but they just, it's a bad market. You can't sell it. You can't sell a mediocre house in a bad market. Yep. So I would come in and I would lease it for a certain price with the option to purchase in the future up to five years. Um, and so that's what I did it over and over and over again from about 2011 to 2014. So how, Lee, Lee, how does that conversation go with the seller? Because I know there's a lot of gurus out here that say, hey, start, you know, doing, if you don't have any money, do creative finance deals, you know. So how was that conversation with your seller saying, hey, you know what, I know you're in this position. You bought another house, you still have this one. The market is not really strong, but I can come in and do X, Y, and Z. So just real briefly, how was that, how was that conversation? Because I know it could raise some red flags with sellers like, no, I just want to sell. What if this person don't honor their agreement, so on and so forth? Well, exactly. And I've, you know, I've even worked with realtors. I would go to MLS to where it was, you know, days on market were approaching 180 days. I say, hey, you're about to lose this listing. Um, you know, let me come in and I'll pay you your commission. Uh, and as far as the seller to go, I would just clarify it in terms of, um, I'm your property manager on steroids. I, I said, I'm going to, you can come in your house, you know, you can, you know, whatever you need from me, I am here to provide it for you. So I'm going to give you this payment every single month, like clockwork, it's going to be on auto pay. Um, and worst case scenario, Mr. Seller, you're going to get your house back in five years when it's hopefully a better market. I've already updated it because I'm going to come in and I'm going to, I'm not going to drop $20,000, right? But I'm going mm -hmm. to go in, I'm going to paint, I'm going to freshen it up. You know, I might put new appliances in, new vanities, and just, you know, worst case scenario, you pay down your mortgage um, for years and years. You come in with a lower mortgage balance and hopefully a better market and you can sell your house a lot easier if I fail to do what I say I'm going to do. Okay. And it's a lease. So let's say I fall off the face of the earth. Um, you know, you can take your house back. You know, you essentially are a landlord. You get keep, you know, the $500 to $1,500 non-refundable down payment that I've given you um, in case, you know, I don't fulfill my obligations. And I'm on your team. I'm on your team because I'm not in this for a little measly hundred bucks per month, what I'm gonna, you know, maybe rent it to somebody else for. I'm in this to sell it to another buyer within five years and capture a spread. So I was okay. totally transparent with the seller each time. I would tell them exactly what I'm doing. I would say, I'm paying a thousand dollars every month like clockwork. You are good to go live your life somewhere. This house is taken care of. Um, our sales price is a hundred grand. You know what I'm going to do within five years? I'm going to try to put the best family I can put in your house. They're going to pay me $1,200 a month. And my sales price to them is going to be $120,000. All the maintenance and stuff in between, I will handle. And so okay. they, a lot of people chose to go with me after I would run the numbers for them to go with a property management company. You know, you've got 10% maintenance, 10% property management. You're on the hook for a catastrophe repair, you know. Um, I would run the numbers with that and then run the numbers with me handling yeah. everything. They don't deal with vacancies. They don't deal with anything. They just That's good. That. 
I mean, so, you, you you position that very, 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 very well. Because I'm like, wow, okay, I need I need to do this with one of my houses, <laughs> you know. But yeah, that's good. You definitely outline the benefits and the negatives, you know, as far as if they went with a property manager. So you have built a business around this whole creative finance structure. Um, so tell me what you guys are doing there, you know, in Alabama. How you doing it, and um, you know, without giving the secret sauce, I know you guys are using creative financing, you're doing flips. So tell me, what are you doing, Lee? Well, as we've grown the business, um, I did step away a little bit from the lease options and, and getting, I always like to have an ownership. You know, I, mm -hmm. after about year four, I just decided it's going to be a smarter move for me to have an ownership role. Um, well, you have some money now. You don't have yeah, to, not to, say, not to say I wouldn't. Yeah, not to say I wouldn't do it. We still do owner financing. Uh, we do subject to transactions by taking over the seller's mortgage, um, just to save on loan costs and whatnot. But uh, so we will get creative. But okay, we no longer do the whole lease option strategy. You know, we'll um, we'll we'll usually present it on a cash offer or something or if the, if the mortgage is a little bit too high for that we'll say hey let's take over your mortgage that way we control everything you know okay. in terms of, you know even if we take over the mortgage we are the homeowner we can do what we want um and uh the so the lease options we kind of got away from that um okay uh, just you know just to be more I guess getting to conservative and running a business, it's, um, it's tough to be involved with all kinds of different moving parts. You know, when you're so creative, you've got a couple of different lease option structures, you've got a few different other finance structures and keeping it all, you know, in your head is sort of tough. Right, right, so, right. So we normally go, you know, um, cash purchases or private money or hard money lenders, taking over a seller's mortgage. Um, and just keeping it, keeping it pretty legit in terms of not to say that, you know, we weren't legit before, but mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that um, I think our operations are a little bit more safe instead of, you know, leasing a house, right? I mean, anything could happen if you're doing a lease option. What if something happens with the seller? I mean, anything yeah. could happen, you know, they pass away and, you know, the kids, even though your contract says that it's still valid, like it just, um, you know, there's so many things that can happen, you know, if you don't have that ownership role in the house. Yeah. So, Let's so, the tax benefits. so you got started with the creative financing with the lease options and everything like that. And now you guys, now you guys are doing, um, you guys are doing more fix and flips mm -hmm. and you're doing um, rent to own, correct? Uh, we do a little bit of rent to own. We mainly do turnkey property management. Okay. Uh, that's the biggest thing that we do. Uh, we, so we do, we buy a house and we'll fix it up. We've been flipping houses, you know, for the last six or seven years. So we used to exclusively flip because after the lease option days and running down a lot of tenants and you guys probably know the rent to own tenants, a lot of times when I purchase, go figure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And so, you know, I tell you, bang your head against the wall with trying to sell a house over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, we just decided to start flipping houses when the market was really taking a swing up. We decided to flip houses for a few years exclusively with no landlord tax. Just kind of, um, 
weaning out a few, went direct to own tenants. And then we decided to kind of meld both worlds and once we had experience in construction to flip rentals. You know, so we flip mm. houses, but we also flip rentals. And so the... So, the, so explain to me what, what flipping rentals are. So the biggest thing is, you know, in this market, it's so competitive to find a flip. Everybody is clamoring over just a traditional flip. So nobody really wants a house maybe in a B or C class area that, you know, is still pretty solid that needs work. Who wants to sink twenty or $30,000 remodel cost into a house that might only be worth $60,000 anyway? Yep, yep. Um, so we took on that little niche um, of buying some dilapidated houses, putting money into them, professionally managing the renter, you know, having a rent roll, having all new systems and roof, and a stable asset that's cash flowing, and then we sell it to an investor who wants to diversify their portfolio, has some passive income. Um, we make a little bit of a spread, not as much as you're gonna make flipping like a six-figure house, right, right. but we'll make a little bit of uh, money to justify you know, our construction and our risk okay. for taking on the property, and then we retain the management as the goal. So. What I love about the turnkey model is that we will, once you flip the house, if you flip a normal house, that money's gone, right? You're probably over budget on three more projects or whatever. It's nice. Yep, yep. You know, once it hits the bank, then it's gone. Well, this, in this model, you know, the goal is to retain the management and also to provide education for other buyers, you know, that might have other full-time jobs to where they can step into a house and know that it's been done to where their maintenance over the next decade will be a lot lower than they just stepped into some regular house. Okay. So um, that's sort of, that's our, that's our bread and butter. That's our, you know, main focus right now is, uh, is flipping rentals. We have about six to seven under construction at any given time. Um, and then my wife and I, we do more of the higher end flips because she designs the houses. And so I don't try to make a living the business off of flipping houses that's more just a complimentary service mm-hmm. to what, we're normal, what we're doing okay so you're you're basically providing turnkey assets to investors you know that where they'll get a return and you guys are you guys in turn is keeping the property management in-house with your company very smart very great business strategy um so where are you guys going one, to find the deals, and then two, to find the investors. So how are you finding your deals? Well, finding the deals, I mean, the deals really are a dime a dozen. Uh, I mean, you know, when you, if you're advertising, you, you probably get 49 little three-bedroom, one-bath rental-type houses to get that one, that one flip, you know. Yep. You, you got to filter through all those phone calls to get that one flip. So the supply is out there. We do, we do our own in-house advertising and then we have a, um, a sales team that'll, you know, make a, um, make bonuses off of. So are you guys, are you, for your marketing, um, are you guys doing cold calling, direct mail, you know, social media ads? How are you guys really doing, doing your marketing without, again, without, you know, giving away your secret sauce there in uh, Alabama? We do a lot of the, I mean, all that you talked about. I mean, mainly 
mailing out postcards. Okay. Uh, and we'll do, we'll do some internet advertising. Um, and we have done cold calling. Um, cold calling is a lot to manage, but it's very, I think it's, it's very productive. You get a good return on your, on your dollars yeah. for it. So those are basically our three ways. You know, we'll put out signs here and there. The city is kind of cracking down on people putting out all those signs. Yep. And it's, uh, it's not to cut you off, Lee, but that's real interesting because if you go online, you know, everyone is saying, you know, direct mail is dead. Don't do direct mail. You won't get a good return, so on and so forth. And you just provided proof. I provide proof because I'm still doing direct mail. We're still finding deals, still getting deals. Um, so absolutely right. You know, sometimes there are a lot of misnomers out there where people say, you know, stop doing this, do this, but you have to remain consistent. So you guys are doing your in-house marketing, finding these deals, and you're looking for something totally different than what the average fix and flipper is looking for, correct? Correct, and one of the good things about doing the turnkey model too is that the other wholesalers in town, um, we are their number one buyer for rental houses. They come to us first. We, they might have an agreed upon property to say, you know what, instead of us creating this color flyer and doing all this, we're just going to mark it up three grand. We're going to yep. send it to you. You've got 48 hours to make a decision before we do our color flyers and start blasting our buyers. And so I've got a couple of those relationships around town because they know all of these rental houses, they're hard to wholesale. They're just hard to wholesale. Yeah. You know, and the margins aren't that good. And so if they know that I'm a consistent buyer, I mean, we'll we buy probably more from other wholesalers than we find in-house just because, yep. I mean, they're calling every day wanting to get rid of a house and maybe pop off a couple of grand on, a, on an assignment fee, which is fine, but it saves them from, you know, I still get a good deal mm -hmm. and it saves them the time to have to go spend all this legwork and show the house and right. get a buyer and all that stuff. Um, they know that they can Absolutely. show it once. And, and it's a, it's agreed upon price. We buy a lot, a lot from all the other wholesalers. And when we were exclusively flipping houses, I did not buy from wholesalers because they took all the profit. Profit. Yeah. You know, they took all the profit out. So you have to find your own deals, you know, for the, for the flips, but for the turnkey rentals, you know, there's, um, you know, the deals are out there to where there's so many of them that, you know, we'll buy from other wholesalers and it's still kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah, and coming from a wholesale perspective, because that's, that's, you know, what my background was and still is, you know, we still find deals by doing a lot of direct mail and cold calling. So as a wholesaler, having a buyer like you is really, really instrumental because you can have that deal that's thin, you know, maybe you and the seller, the seller wants 55 and you know, you can only sell this thing for, you know, 59 you know you're like okay well i know a buyer that that'll take it for 58 and let me just get the deal done take the three grand walk and move on to the next deal you know so i tell a lot of wholesalers find your buy and hold guys that's in your market you know a lot of the fix and flippers you know for one it's harder to find those fix and flip deals and then two you know, again, they're looking for these sizable margins, but when you had a buy and hold guys like yourself, you know, you can 
get those properties under contract within margins and still move them. So, you know, that's, that's really excellently. So now you're getting these deals, you're finding these deals, you know, through wholesalers, MLS and things like that. Where are you finding um, your, your end investors, man? Cause I know that could probably be a little challenging. Well, and that's one thing that I'm really working on as the owner of the company is building up my buyers. Um, that is one thing that to grow the business that we have to continue to do. Um, because each and you know, we don't have big hedge funds or anything that's going to come buy these. You know, we, we're selling to people who want to buy one, two, three rental houses to supplement their retirement. You know, so you're always looking for other, you know, for buyers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really networking is the biggest thing. I mean, it is the biggest thing, just the word of mouth. I'm joining networking groups. You know, I met you at the Bigger Pockets Conference. Um, yep. Just talking to people and letting them know, you know, the returns that we that we have. And when you think about it on a, you know, a large scale in the U.S., you know, Mobile, Alabama is one of those little niches where you can still find the good returns. You, you have places like Indianapolis and Birmingham, Alabama that are kind of known as a, not on a national scale. Mm -hmm. We can provide those same type of assets. We normally uh, fully remodeled house, you know, sixty or sixty-five thousand dollars max um, for an eight hundred fifty-dollar rent check. Um, and you know, if if you were buying and doing all the work yourself, you might want a little bit better of a return. But that's an excellent return if you don't have to do anything and you get a new dimensional roof, yep. new system, central heat and air, waterproof flooring, um, and a renter already in place with no placement fee you know it's um so finding finding the buyers you know it's always it's always challenging i'm always kind of trying to think outside the box and and i talk to local realtors in town too that you know we of course pay you know a commission if they bring a buyer so we've right. got a number of buyers through just networking with other realtors um we haven't gone so far as to putting our deals on mls yet because i really Try to respect the renters mm -hmm. as well. Right. I, you know, I don't want to put a sign in the yard and a lot box in them. You know, so we, it's still sort of a word of mouth type okay. of operation, um, you know, to, to find our buyers. So. Sweet. And I know, I know Mobile, I mean, you guys have, you know, vacation rentals there. It's, it's, a, it's a destination place, you know. So I, I know the market is pretty strong. So you're doing, doing great there. So tell me. Lee, I know you've done quite a few deals. Uh, I've been on your site. I've seen a lot of the um, the uh, flips and things like that that you, you guys have done. Excellent work, man. Tell me, what was your most creative deal? You know, one of the most creative deals was going back to owner finance deal. It was probably one to where a guy called from a Craigslist ad. I'll buy houses cash on Craigslist, right? Um, he had called and he was, he had owner financed this rental house to another person that just, he had to foreclose on. Uh, he took the note back. He called me and he said, Lee, all I want is my note. And he owed like $36,000 on the house. So I said, you know what? Um, how about I pay you $300 a month for 10 years and the house is totally paid for. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And I, um, so that's zero interest. Zero wow. interest. Uh, $300 a month. Um, 
I said, defer payments up to your, my first $300 payment to you is deferred for up to three months or until I find a renter. And so I found a renter before then and I started paying them, but uh, rented it for $850 a month, paid him $300 a month principal only. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> all he wanted is money. He, he just wanted his money back. He didn't care right. about interest, And he just wanted his money back. And so I, uh, that's how we structured. That's probably, that's the only owner finance deal I've ever done and not had to pay interest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, so, that's good. Zero percent interest. So you was borrowing money without mm-hmm. it costing you anything, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So that's, that's good. So now, Lee, I know you came through, you know, 2011, you went through a little, you know, a little bit of the downturn and now the whole upswing. Have you guys ever came into, you know, an area where you're like, man, you guys hit a rough patch and you almost wanted to quit or give up? Uh, yes, for sure. Um, this is when we did not have the passive income coming in. We had sold all of our rental houses and we had started flipping exclusively because I was quite honest, kind of jaded at the renters because I was, I was a mom and pop landlord. I didn't, right. you know, I was trying to go drive around and collect rent checks, you know, so we started flipping these houses. We had some mediocre success. This was about four years ago. And um, we came across this house built in 1852. That was just completely shot. You know, but it was in a good part of town, historic district. Um, anyway, we we hired the wrong contractor and ended up, he kind of, more of a con artist than a contractor, right? Okay. And he, he, he drew out a bunch of money from us and covered up a lot of mistakes. And we basically remodeled this old 1800s house twice. Um, way, way, way over budget. Completely, <laughs> completely broke. <laughs> and... Uh, and so, and plus we had a couple other flips on the market that we were paying interest payments on that it was around the holidays. So normally we'll flip a house and we get a contract on it in two weeks. Well, these other two houses we had finished, they didn't have any action. They were sitting. So we, they were sitting, we were just paying holding costs. And then we had this really large historic house that we were doing and it just, it's one of those, you just throw your hands up in the air and you just have to get yourself out of bed in the morning, go over there. I was, I was, I was, I was pretty, pretty in a bad place because I was like, you know, I've got a college degree, I have an MBA and I'm sitting in here, I'm laying sod, I'm cleaning <laughs> up the job site, I'm running, you know, truckloads of stuff to the dump. And, but you just have to do it. I mean, yeah. I, mean I had a hard money loan on the house. And so it's like, I am not defaulting on this. <laughs> we are we are doing this whether we're either doing it or not. I got my wife involved. She helped paint. And so we just we really just kind of grinded it out and uh, got it on the market. And it, you know, it sold like as we were hanging the light fixtures. You know, and wow. uh, okay. we got an offer on it. Uh, and so it uh, you know, but we could have just if we didn't want to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty, we could have just said, you know what, you know. Hard money guy had this house back, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but uh, it, that's probably when I really was just like, I don't know if we should do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I tell people, man, sometimes you have those deals that put you in that mindset. You know, like mm-hmm. you're saying, you're like, 
I got an MBA. What am I doing out here rolling sod and taking stuff to the dumpster? I could be doing something, you know, something else, <laughs> you know, but, but you guys came through and you, you made it happen. Um, so that just curious, that contractor, I know you guys had done other flips. You said you had two other flips on the market. How come you didn't use one of your contractors you used before? We did. We pulled together, um, you know, these other guys to help. They didn't have, they didn't quite have the experience, you know, because again, this was four years ago. You know, we run about six to eight crews now, but this was before we really had deep relationships that people can come help. Now I'll fire a contractor in, in you know, a second, you know, they, yeah. because I know that I'm not stuck. Um, I think what happened in this job was we were so scared to let him go because he had, he had pulled out more money than the work he had done. Oh, gotcha. And we just kept throwing good money after bad. Uh, yeah. So just full of empty promises. And so we let him talk us into now. I mean, it's a big learning lesson because now we would never allow them. Um, if they haven't done the work to justify the payment, we're just not going to pay. We're right? not going to pay. <laughs> right. So um, if they're not upholding their end of the contract, well, I think we were just, we didn't have the money to start all over, which we ultimately ended up having to do. So we just let him draw us out for even more money because we thought, hey, this is going to be super expensive to bring contractor B in here yeah, and do to, all this stuff. Yep. And so um, we tried to let him work as long as he could. Um, and then it just became one change order after another. And then finally we were just like, hey, okay, we got to stop all this. Yep, yep, yep. And so um, it was one of those things to where I kind of heard some grumblings, like he wasn't paying his guys. And so what we did was I called the whole, I called this contractor's crew all together. And I said, um, we're letting him go. We just let him go in the front yard. I understand he hasn't paid you guys, but if you guys want to finish his house and make money every single Friday, let's let's talk about it personally and you can stay. Um, mm -hmm. And so we ended up finishing that house with some of his guys. Okay, you know, smart, smart move. It's kind of how it happened because they weren't gonna follow him to the next project anyway because they weren't getting paid. Exactly. So, so we just, uh, kept his guys to help finish it out because he was an older gentleman. He wasn't really doing any work himself. And so there really wasn't any need for him to be there. So he was just really kind of acting as a GC. Exactly. And not, not paying the guys. Not paying Running the supplies and taking the money. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so I know you guys, um, like I said, been doing a whole lot of stuff, man. Um, how do you think your investing impacted the community, you know, in Mobile? Well, I always try to go the extra mile to provide a good product, whether it makes complete financial sense or not, right? I mean, I, I don't put lipstick on a pig. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we, um, the quantity of houses that we do now, you know, we, it's nothing, it's no major company here, but we remodel about six rentals per month um, in addition to, you know, a flip every couple months or so. Um, and sometimes we'll renovate more than six per month, but, uh, usually 
these are all streets with hit or miss houses. Um, okay. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't say that it's just completely just a, an area to where you wouldn't want to invest in, but an area to where families will live there, decent schools. And I think that making all these houses really nice, a lot of them to where the city has already put notices on the door uh, to say, hey, you know, um, you know, we're going to tear this down, and, you know, in six uh -huh. months. And for us to come in and completely make it habitable again and um, increase the home values one house at a time, you know, is a, it's a great feeling just to say, you know, to have a family living to some move into something that's completely redone um, and there's nothing even comparable, you know, on the, mm -hmm. on the streets around yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I like just improving our community one, you know, one house at, one a, time. House at a time. That's one of my companies called Revitalize Realty. Um, the big mobile government programs called Restore Mobile. Um, and uh, so it's Revitalize Realty and our construction arm is Revitalize Mobile. And so um, it kind of goes hand in hand. Our office is situated right on the nice historic district going into, you know, the lower income area. And so we're buying houses up all around our office too. And just okay. um, trying to clean up these houses. Um, and it, have, have, you, um, have you started working with the city at all for some of those houses mm -hmm. that they're looking to condemn and they pretty much giving them to you since you're working with the community? to get them back up and going? Definitely on my radar, but we have not yet. Um, okay. Talked to a couple of people about possibly um, setting up a relationship like that, but not yet. So okay. We've been so busy just with the deals coming in the door. Uh, we really haven't taken the opportunity to capitalize on that, but it is coming. Don't worry. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And the reason why I bring that up is because I invest in, in a smaller city right outside of Chicago, about an hour south of Chicago. And we worked with the city, you know, and really starting to do more work with the city because they have quite a few houses that are abandoned. And yeah, they may need a full gut rehab, but it restores the community and restores the area. And once people, you know, have that pride of ownership, even if they are renting, you know, people still have that pride of ownership that I'm in a new house, you know, I'm going to make sure I keep this up. And the city will then turn around, contact you and say, hey, we got this house that's on the condemned list, you know, come in, take a look at it. If it's something that you want, we'll write it off and you guys can have a property. And then not only that, they'll make it easy for you to get the permits, you know, and everything yeah. like that. So, <laughs> so that's, that's definitely... Perfect. Yeah, definitely something to um, look into rather sooner than later. You know, that way you can build that relationship with the city of Mobile. Well, exactly. And I've thought about that. Um, and when you remodel these houses, too, they, the vacancy goes way down. Yep. You remodel a house and they've got the nicest house in the street. Why would you want to move? <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Um, yep. So really decreases the vacancy. So. No, that's definitely on my list to do is to, is to work with the city, you know, because they are remodeling houses or hiring private contractors to remodel with government grants to remodel houses all alongside my houses. Yep, yep. So, so I mean, it's, it's two opportunities. I mean, you can, you can get the houses or you can be that main construction crew since you had a construction company to then do those houses for the city. 
I mean, you're a smart guy. You have an MBA. You know how to figure it out. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Lee, we gotta we gotta roll into our hot seat questions, man. This is our hot seat questions. So, I want you to try and answer these questions as soon as as quick as possible. Um, so, starting over, what would you do differently? I would get a mentor. I would uh, I would definitely get a mentor. Maybe not one of these high paid people on TV or something like, but somebody locally that you respect maybe somebody in your local real estate group but I was too arrogant to do it when I started I thought I knew everything and I didn't um, and even though I went to college like real estate is totally different and I went to the school of hard knocks and lost a number of houses um, and was just too blinded to know that I was you know making some wrong deals so I mm-hmm. think I have somebody with a little wisdom to uh, kind of show you the way or give you some advice is what I would do if I had to start all over. It probably would have fast tracked me instead of kind of being stagnant for a little bit. Yep. Yep. So number one, you will find a mentor. Um, what is the greatest commodity outside of capital for you and your company? I mean, it has to be just work ethic, just grinding. No one, if, we say we're gonna do something, we're gonna do it. If we tell a seller we're gonna buy their house, we're gonna buy it, even if we don't also. We're gonna buy it unless there's a major foundation issue. Um, so I think my word and just the work ethic, um, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was always, you know, work long hours and, you know, I've tried to scale back on the hours that I work and what's the point in real estate, you know? <laughs> but, um, uh, but just the work ethic, I think, is the biggest thing because I'm not, overly smart like engineer like hey i've really got the uh uh, i've really got this under control like i feel like i'm you know pretty decent in a number of areas so just to outwork people when i need to is what's kind of kept me ahead okay and what's one thing you think you could do to be more productive definitely um be more routine uh systemize you know, I, I get pulled in a lot of different directions. And so having more structure, I think, is something that's a constant battle for me because somebody has a hot deal and instead of coming to the office at 8 a.m., you're out. And then all of a sudden you get another call and you don't make it to the office at 12 o'clock. You know, so yep. um, I think being being more systemized um, is, my big, is my big deal that I could do okay. better. All right. What drives your ambition? I think that most people trying to get into real estate is financial freedom. My family, you know, every time I, you know, look at my wife and our little four-year-old, really drives my ambition to create a company that I can take a four-week vacation. I mean, I've never in my life been able to do something like that. You know, to be able to to, um, have something produce income for me and my family without uh actually trading your work for money gotcha gotcha okay and then what do you think is your greatest challenge internal or external what is something that you really need to work on i think staying in my lane as far as um every time i have some success you know after eight to 12 months, I do something new and I'm like, oh, I'm an expert wholesaler now, you know? <laughs> Instead of continuing to do what was going for you right, 
switch a lane and you're like, I'm going to buy more rental houses. You know, so just making sure that I stay in my lane and now that I know that my number one priority is to, to build this turnkey property management company, um, really doing that and doing it well until it gets boring. I mean, I want to do it so well until it gets boring because, you know, you have a couple of uh, wins here and there. And guess what? Friends and colleagues and people at networking groups want to pull you in different directions. Hey, yeah. what's over here? Do this. And just saying no to some of that stuff, um, you know, is, is the biggest thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, it's that focus, especially with entrepreneurs, man. We're always, we, we have the eye on a prize, but we're always kind of flirting and looking at something else like, <laughs> hey, you know what? I may be able to try this. So oh, let me buy you. Yeah, let me buy an RV park now. You know, it's like, yeah. it's something. You should not do <laughs> that. Shine that shiny object syndrome, man. Yep, exactly. So tell me, what's what's the uh, latest business book you re- you've read? Uh, I think the the latest one was um, I revisited the One Thing by Gary Keller. Okay. Um, just the the main concept that I took out of that book is just the time block because being an entrepreneur just saying, you know what, nobody bother me. I'm gonna shut the blinds in my office, lock the door, turn my phone upside down, I'm gonna close out of my email browser and I'm just gonna time block two hours to focus on the one thing that grows your business, right? Yep. You know, if I'm searching for new buyers and um, you know, that I need to sell these flips to make money for the company, I can't be, putting out fires and operations, doing mm-hmm. other things, talking to contractors or sending a delinquent renter to collections. You know, like I've got to focus on that one thing. Yep. One thing, exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's the biggest thing. All right. And then what about the latest real estate book that you've read? You know, um, the book on estimating rehab costs by, um, uh, who wrote that? Jay Scott. Jay Scott. Jay Scott. Yeah. Um, I I kind of got into a zone the past couple of years to where um, I would just look at a house and say, oh yeah, this is I know this type of house. It's going to cost twenty. <laughs> and just yeah. I'd walk in five minutes later, and then you're getting a loan for fifty thousand dollars over five minutes of due diligence. And so I kind of sat back and touched on that again, just say, you know what, and let's you know let's really focus down on making sure our numbers are correct because, you know, I got into a mindset of I'm slamming out so many houses that I was, who cares if there's a swing in five grand plus or minus? Well, like you need to make sure that crawl space doesn't have termites before you. <laughs> yeah. Buy yeah. So um, I think kind of going in and just reading that from start to finish again was, was a big thing for me. And especially I've got um, somebody that just came on board that, I'm training um, to be able to teach that person these numbers and mm-hmm. taking the time to go through a spreadsheet and calculate doorknobs and you know your roof and the whole nine yards stuff that when I was doing it myself I never cared never to do. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I was like, you know what, I've done a million of these. I'm just gonna, you know, it's gonna be twenty grand. Who cares? Yep. Guess you know, like, the man. So it, uh, but that's a lot of money. I mean, that, that matters. You can't just, <laughs> you can't operate like that. So, mm-hmm. so Lee, um, so tell me, man, you, you're doing a lot of things there in Mobile. How can we get in touch with you? How can we find you? How can we follow you? 
um, especially for those who are looking to get into turnkey property management, flipping, creative finance. You know, you, you have a little bit of expertise in a lot of, a lot of areas. So how can we reach you? Well, the biggest thing is probably to uh, email me. You know, my company uh, website is revitalizedmobile.com. Okay. So Lee, L-E-E, at revitalizedmobile.com. Um, of course, I'm on Facebook, Lee Waldrop, Mobile, Alabama. You search that, I'll come up. Bigger Pockets, I'm on Bigger Pockets. Uh, LinkedIn. Um, so, I mean, just send me a message or whatever, and, you know, I'll get back to you. And guys, I'll have all of uh, Lee's contact information in the show notes. Uh, Lee, I want to appreciate you, man. I think you gave a lot of great nuggets today, man, from just starting out with lease options all the way to doing, you know, five, six deals, you know, a week and a month doing some property management. So I really want to appreciate you coming on and speaking to the listeners today. So before we sign off, man, any last words you want to give the listeners? Well, I just appreciate you, Marcus, for, for having me on, you know, um, you know, I would say, you know, to anybody who's just starting out, just, you just got to get out there and do it. I mean, you gotta, don't make a dumb move, but don't analyze it forever and ever and ever. I mean, you got to get out there and do it. I mean, you might lose a little money, worst case scenario, but I mean, you're still going to be you're still going to be living on this earth, right? You know, go yep, out and yep. buy a house. I mean, it's, um, and get into the game and, you know, um, you know, I, I was a big proponent of learn, kind of learn as you go, learn as much as you can of the book, reading books, and then just go for it. So yeah. I say, if you're scared to take that first step, just do it because believe you me, I'm talking about took years and years to, you know, get the nerve to buy my first house. And then once I did, I mean, I bought another one within two months and then another one within a month. And then it just yep. snowballed. So, um, and that's the, that's the thing is just taking action. You mm -hmm. guys have to take action. Once you take action, you will see a lot of those fears that you have, those pre-imposed fears, they'll, they'll go away, you know. So don't analyze so much. Listen to what Lee is saying. Don't overanalyze the deal. The numbers are simple. The numbers either work or they don't. If they do, pull the trigger and get it done. If they don't, go on to the next deal. So Lee, I wanna appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Guys, all of that information to be in the show notes, revitalizemobile.com is where you can find Lee, and I'll have his Facebook VP profile and everything like that in the show notes. So again, Lee, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Marcus. See you all guys. Right. Okay. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there is someone you would like for me to interview 
or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.